good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Chujank, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You are right, Daga. This portion of this show is supported by Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Support. <laughs> Thank you for the round of applause. Uh, support uh, your favorite radio whore host on Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Or your favorite Native whore, as you were. Yeah, I guess. Right. It almost yeah. sounded like that. Hosts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plural. Hosts Thank you very much. Says. Yeah. Hey, a lot going on. Uh, well, before, before we get into this groovy thing happening on the uh, 13th, I just want to give everyone a big shout out. Uh, a uh, great powwow this last weekend at Shakopee. Saw a lot of people that listened to the show and uh, just want to give a big shout out to them. Uh, great event. And there was other events going on around uh, the area. And before you, you talk about that, uh, Haley, just want to give a quick shout out to uh, State Representative Heather Keeler, who had a nice little uh, 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 meeting and uh, fundraiser. Uh, here in Minia or in Maplewood, and uh, we got the chat with the lieutenant governor. Who is? It's always fun to chat with her, and uh, great to see her. And Haley, you made it out there too. I did. Yes, I would. Uh, yeah, had a lovely time coming out and supporting Heather, uh, Heather Keeler, and shout out to Jamie Becker Finn because yeah. uh, she had the uh, fundraiser out at Mukwa Coffee, which is Jamie's coffee shop, and Jamie was there as well. Yeah, schlepping coffee. That was awesome. Yeah, like a true barista. That's right. And then I was like grabbing the free uh, little pizza squares, which is so un-New Yorkish, but I guess it's really big Minnesota. Have pizza in squares. I guess you can yep. feed more people that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I wonder if that was the good old Carbonis. <laughs> no, no, they sell it there. They do. I've, ha- yeah. I've had it there as a matter of fact. Hey, good. it is. It was really good. I kept gobbling away and um, asking for more. Hey, there's a couple other things going on here. I just before we get to that, uh want to do a big shout out uh, for all our Patreon uh listeners uh, that uh give us a little money here every month. You really helped us through the COVID and really help support us and uh really uh appreciate all you guys out there doing that. And we got we can tell people to their face, Haley, uh we got something coming up here on the 13th here in the Twin Cities. We sure do. So we know, uh, well, we know AM 950 is our mothership station here yeah. in the Twin Cities. And uh, February is AM 950 Listener Appreciation Month. So uh, we'll be doing a radio listener appreciation event next Tuesday, February 13th at the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, come out, have some drinks, appetizers with us, and support your local progressive radio station and some of our cool co-workers not all of our cool co-workers but some of them oh uh, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well we'll be there so it'll be cool yes yes totally <laughs> and maybe we'll bring some shirts for sale too i don't know we'll have to figure out if we're if uh the producers schlepping hoodies and t-shirts out there or not so well, hey, <laughs> I, I did learn how to use the Square That's app right. thing to charge people. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you learning new something, learning something every day. Well, you're getting ready for the fair with our store. So, you know, uh, you'll be out there working with us and signing autographs. And we'll probably do the radio show out there again like we did uh, uh, two years ago. That was a lot of fun. And we ran into a lot of people. Um we want to give a, a big thanks to our listening audience, and we've gotten some responses sent to us uh, via email that there was 20 people that went out to the Lover's Art Market in St. Paul yesterday that heard specifically here on the show and uh, Haley's 
report on what's going on in the weekend, and we just want to give you guys a shout out one for going and two for mentioning uh, Native Roots Radio, Haley. Yeah, thanks to everyone that went out there in St. Paul and supported Indigenous artists. And uh, yeah, I just I love uh, I love when there's big crowds out there at our markets because we know a lot of those vendors and uh, they're just really great people and truly amazing artists. Wow, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, we've got to give a quick shout out to Dr. Hackett, who always listens to our show, too. Uh, really, she's one of our best informative guests, and uh, we just want to give her a big shout out, too, and her support over the years of Native Roots Radio. But, you know, Haley, there was uh, uh, years ago when we first started the show, Wendy and I, and we were on once a week, there was people that wanted to advertise with us that uh, didn't follow or fall into our um, our way of thinking and uh, how what we believed in. And we had to say, no, thank you, but thanks. And uh, good to say that uh, Dr. Hackett and uh, Howling for Wolves is somebody that we fall in line with and support and always have. And it's great to have the support back and forth. And uh, I know she listens to our show a lot, so I just want to say a big peeny geeky thank you very much. Yeah, well, Dr. Hackett is just amazing in the way that she advocates for these animals and this, these are wolf species here, specifically in Minnesota, is just amazing. And, and I just wish we had more organizations like Howling for Wolves that were Ooh. advocating. Every time for I these hear Howling for Wolves, they go, Ooh. Get your howl on. But these beautiful uh, animals out there and... You know, we just got to keep talking about those wolf hunts and keep it at the forefront of our legislators' minds. Yeah, definitely. And uh, keep talking about it here because not always uh, do we align with our, our government, too. Uh, we have a lot of – and, you know, one of the things, too, that I was down uh, in Minneapolis talking to our friends at Native American Community uh, Development Institute, your, fr- your friend Alex, and we were talking a lot about – uh, what's happening now in the election and all the misinformation out there and how frightening it can be with AI and where Gen Zers like yourself get the news. And I know it's a double-edged sword because I know you don't watch national news and then watching national news and corporate news is not good either because it's so one-sided and visually. I got a quick story, Haley. So yeah. years ago, uh, President Reagan... Now that we're talking the eighties oh, yeah. here. Yeah, well, there. there was a thing called yeah, there was a thing called uh uh geez, what was that? Uh, Iran Contra. And that was where secretively the Reagan institution was or the Reagan presidency was giving arms to uh to people and it Oliver North got involved. Long story short, my mm. point was they were reporting all these things about the president, and on TV they were showing him come off the plane, wave to people, and smile. So visually, people really didn't hear the story about him. What they saw was a happy, successful president. And there's all these subliminal things that go on in the news that I know you studied when you were in college, but we, I see as an old person all the time where it's like, what the heck is going on here, you know? I always tell right. that story about that big protest on Lake Street and Marshall here in St. Paul for uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. And the local mm-hmm. news had a chopper up there. I'm going, great, they're going to show they're going to show all the people here and uh, all the young, because it was a student-run protest, and have them all show up and look. Mm-hmm. Um, and what did uh, Channel 4 News do here in, in Minnesota? They showed half the crowd. Instead of saying thousands of people were on the bridge, they said hundreds. And things like that just bug me. So thank mm-hmm. goodness for Progressive Radio, AM 950, Civic Media Network that we're on, and all the other uh, stations we're on in Turtle Island. So we just got to say a big peeny geeky. Thank you. We're going to have Dr. Stately on next. And uh, this is uh, going to be a rocking week, Haley. Always is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. 
If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Life can be hectic. Sometimes the pressure can feel like too much, and the emotions can be overwhelming. Hennepin County's COPE Mobile Crisis Response is here to listen and help you find a way through whatever is going on in your life. Call 612-596-1223 for no-cost crisis support anytime, anywhere in Hennepin County. That number is 612-596-1223. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let let howl. howl. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job if they have dependable transportation. A car plus a job equals a life changed. 612-919-5526. We have families waiting for a car. 919-5526 or autotech.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. And speak of honoring, we have uh, Dr. Stately here, who is uh, president and CEO of Native American Community or <laughs> Community Clinic here. And I almost, I almost went there to, uh, you know, no nowhere land there for a second. Welcome, Dr. Stately. Great to see you. You're looking good. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you've been walking. Uh, you look like you've lost some weight uh, since last time I talked to you. I do. Yeah. Uh, maybe a pound or here, a pound or two here or there. <clears throat> well, yeah. I've been watching my diet a little bit because, and walking. I have been walking actually. I'm, <clears throat> I think I told you that I'm going to Scotland next month <clears throat> for a conference. <clears throat> Ooh. No, you and, uh, didn't tell us. And, oh, really? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to Scotland um, with a group of uh, with the research team that NAC worked on on this. Um, we did a cultural adaptation um, of a smoking cessation app, oh. and um, we indigenized it <clears throat> and um, got some really good um, results in our pilot. Um, so we're going to. We submitted a paper and it got selected, and I think we're one of either only one or two of uh, you know indigenous focused presentations. So kind of cool. It's kind of exciting. Wow, that is awesome. Are we getting a news break, or have you been on NPR lately? (laughs) Neither. I guess we, <laughs> we broke it here. That's awesome. You're not getting a news break, and I haven't been on NPR. I think uh-huh. I was on like a few weeks ago. I can't remember what. Uh-huh. Melissa Olson um, interviewed me for the encampment thing. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, you I know, talked that's... to her for a whole hour, and I only got like two lines. Uh, well, here, <laughs> you, you, here you talk a whole hour, and you, everybody gets it, and... Uh, we're really uh we're really happy to have you on uh pretty much every week here and um appreciate what you do for the community uh it was interesting weekend and just to back up what you were saying there i know again uh the camp was one of the camps was moved again and um where our relatives going and this has gotten to be kind of a, a sickening um uh, dance that we go through and our relatives go through. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think the challenging part of all of that is, is that, um, you know, it's, um, we haven't, we have not, um, city, county, and state leadership have not yet found a solution to this problem. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not to say that, like, it's not to say that um, um, Minnesota is the only one going through the problem, or even the Twin Cities. I mean, we have colleagues and partners in Seattle, and, you know, and the right. last time I went, when last time I was in Los Angeles, <clears throat> I was shocked at how many houseless people were there. Like, you know, I lived there for 25 years, and I had never seen that many people living houseless um, the last time I was there. Absolutely. Um, so I know it's not it's not that it's that we're alone, but I think what's frustrating is, you know, and I mentioned this. I think I, I forget what the context was, but I was in a I was in a group of with a number of you know governmental ish uh, leadership, and then also some colleagues of mine in the Twin Cities who we were in a conversation and talking about the issues around the camp. And I think one of the things I said was. When I just kind of said I want to weigh in on here on this conversation here, and <clears throat> when I when I about a year or so after I started at NAC, the first um, you know my first experience in this work has been was specifically within uh, the response that NAC had with and our partners, our community partners, to the Wall of Forgotten Natives, which is just three blocks to our east, right? <clears throat> Easily the largest encampment that. Um, Minnesota has ever seen it in its history. Um, and, um, you know, um, bar the um, removal of Native people and the forced uh, march of Dakota people probably is the only one that's possibly larger. <clears throat> but I think one of the things that was demonstrable in that experience and in, in working boots on the ground, we were able to, like, I said, said in this meeting, I said, I want you all to remember where we were in 2018. Granted, there was another day in time, and yes, some things are different now. We was before the pandemic, so there were a few other things that sort of like are different now than that was true in 2018. But we were able across multiple jurisdictions, so across Hennepin County, the city of Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota, multiple jurisdictions, multiple enterprises within those jurisdictions, and community and private philanthropy and a few other, you know, um, um, a lot of other partners able to come together, tribal, right? Red Lake Nation gave up their land and um, where they built their new building in the last couple of years and they put up a navigation center. They put up the space and they supported yep. it. And <clears throat> I think one of the challenges is that like, you know, we, we have a, this lived experience of being able to do a very amazing job of housing our relatives within a very short period of time in late 2018 leading up into the winter of 2018 2019 you know they, we, collectively we housed over 400 and some people and mm-hmm. another 100 or so a couple hundred or 200 300 went lived in the navigation center for through the winter and then we were able to get housed in the spring before the navigation center was dismantled mm-hmm. so we have a model by which we were able to work strategically and collectively and collaboratively on sort of moving this um, this problem forward and finding some solutions fairly rapidly to 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 do that. And then in the pandemic, we were able to sort of like you know literally manufacture you know ridiculous amounts of cash to solve problems on a worldwide global crisis. Because we had to, because people's lives were being threatened, right? And so we have. I I always tell people like this is not an issue of money. This is not an issue of actually there being enough money. We already know that like when something's been deemed important enough and prioritized enough, and the folks, I guess, quote unquote, the people who are receiving the services are are valuable enough, we can actually move heaven and earth to save people's lives and to do what we need to do to make people safe. So we know it's possible. We've done, we've seen it done a couple of times. I think the challenge has been is that like it is, you know, um, 
I think some of it is due to political will, people being able to come to some consensus and understanding together. Um, <clears throat> I think it's also, you know, um, the scale of the problem is so huge. Like we have across the globe, not just here in the Twin Cities, but across mm -hmm. the globe, we have the most unhoused people we have ever seen in, in, in my lifetime, right? Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, I remember being homeless, but mm -hmm. I had my parents, my parents, I, you know, within South Minneapolis, I had all my relatives living nearby near me. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't unusual for my mom and my siblings and I to like go from one family's home to another, like, you know, as, as she was trying to get stable and she was a single mother raising six children and seven children mm -hmm. on, on, um, you know, on, um, and welfare AFDC at the time. And, but we had we had this safety net that existed in our community, and that safety net has eroded over time. It's and it's really, you know, <clears throat> that and that 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 um, process is a direct result of strategic policies and processes that link right back to colonization and failed assimilation policies over the mm -hmm. last several decades that have eroded our family and our communities. And so there isn't any place to go, actually. There's no, you know, you don't have relatives nearby that can help you. We have, you know, poverty and, you know, unaffordable housing at, at record, num record um, uh, numbers than we've ever seen before. So <clears throat> the solution to the problem is going, is, is large. But it is all. It, but the solution is not moving an encampment from one location to another repeatedly over weeks and weeks and weeks, right. and forcing people to move. They lose mm -hmm. their stuff. They lose their contact with people like us who provide services to them, and we got to kind of remanufacture and recreate the thing all over again. It's really challenging. Yeah, it is, and it isn't like. Uh... You know, we count, uh, you know, couch jumping too as homeless too, even though they are maybe friends and relatives are helping them. We talk a little bit when we come back, uh, from break on what can we do? What solutions are there? What can the tribes, uh, do? And, um, uh, you know, it, that's, that's a thing that I'm curious about from, from my other job too, because, not always throwing money at it is the solution either. And, but go ahead. No, it's, I, I think by itself and in, in and of itself, by itself, it's not the solution, right? It's not a, right. Um, you know, I mean, I, <clears throat> the legislature passed its most largest and most historic housing bill ever in, in mm -hmm. state history last year. But it's going to take a while before that money comes down into community. Well, and I was going to say, too, we're going to take a quick break here. But one thing I wanted to touch on, and maybe we can talk a little bit about in this next segment, and is if the economy's going well, it, it always trickles down late to the BIPOC people. And, and um, we'll talk a little bit about that next because things are still dire and there's still a lot of recovery needs to happen here in our BIPOC community and especially our, our native community. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately, uh, president and executive officer of Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. We'll be right back after this short break. Signing up for $1 bus and train rides with the Transit Assistance Program, or TAP, is quick and easy. Do it straight from your computer or phone by uploading one of the pre-approved documents listed at metrotransit.org slash TAP, along with a copy of your ID. We'll mail you a go-to card with a full year of discounted rides. For questions or translation help, call 612-373-3333. 612-373-3333. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis Air dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis Air on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. 
Hi, everyone. Matt McNeil here. We have a big announcement. February is AM 950 Listener Appreciation Month. Even though this station has a powerhouse lineup throughout the day, this station wouldn't exist without you, the loyal listeners of AM 950. And we want to let you know how much we appreciate you listening. Thanks to the generosity of our member listeners, we have a few extra tickets to give away for a listener appreciation event. This is a special thank you to you, our listeners. All this week, listen to The Matt McNeil Show, Native Roots Radio, and Ghost Box Radio for your chance to win a pair of tickets to our listener appreciation event, Meet and Greet, on February 13th. There are also chances to win tickets by liking our Facebook page and by signing up for the AM950 e-newsletter on am950radio.com. Tune in to AM950 throughout the entire month of February for other giveaways, like gift cards to restaurants and more. It's our way of thanking you for being a listener to AM950. You are appreciated. Thanks from everyone at the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, AM950. Greg Bakken here. Like you, I love good, fresh, delicious food. So I want to tell you about this treasure in Roseville called Maverick's Real Roast Beef. Mavericks has the best roast beef sandwiches I've ever had. Made fresh every order. Add fries or onion rings dropped in the fryer when ordered, and you have a winning combination. Maverick's Real Roast Beef has a lot more than roast beef, so check out their website, mavericksbeef.com, or check out their restaurant on Lexington in Roseville. If stress, pain, or fatigue are part of your life, then consider that your pain and tension may be indicators of what's amiss in your life, and it's time for a new perspective. I Resolve Pain Guru, we're here to help you reconnect with yourself, release tension and pain, move better, and sleep better so that you can do more of what you love. You have the power to take control of your healing journey with our online six-week Change Your Pain course. Learn somatic practices to tap into the wisdom of your body and then learn to trust your intuition. Challenge your thinking and embark on a transformative journey with Resolve Pain Guru as your guide, unlocking infinite rewards along the way. Experience the life-changing benefits of somatic practices at ResolvePainGuru.com. Register for our six-week Pain Relief Starter Series and start your journey to a pain-free life of joy. That's ResolvePainGuru.com. ResolvePainGuru.com. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Tonight, cloudy conditions clear out with a low of 28. Then Tuesday, clouds return with a high of 52. Cafe Latte is unlike any restaurant you've ever experienced. Grab a tray and pick from their award-winning selections of soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Cafe Latte, Victoria Street and Grand Avenue in St. Paul, or CafeLatte.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by JS Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue in St. Paul. Only the good stuff keeps us awake. I am awake. And hey, we're here with Dr. Stately. Uh, he is uh, the president and uh, executive officer at Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, and does a great work for our community and uh speaks well and uh, uh, to everybody about what's happening here. And we really appreciate you having on. That's uh, kind of wrap up this segment because I think we could do a whole show on it. It's it's disheartening. I think it's disheartening, too, to see uh, the movement of, like you said earlier, of these camps and uh, spreading them out and have to start all over again. And um there's there's so many moving issues and parts, and uh, it's just one of the things I, f- I feel like is that the economy, when it is up on an upswing, really, it it's, uh, lastly hits the upswing, our BIPOC communities. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, is like, you know, it is a very complex problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, like like most complex problems, there isn't going to be a silver bullet that just sort of kind of magically solves it. <clears throat> There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of parts that sort of like a lot of problems and challenges that have to be um, fixed, right? And um, and find solutions for. 
sometimes, and um, and this is, and it happens often, um, and it's not anyone's fault necessarily, I think, um, but, um, you know, government and systems, like, you know, these systems that serve us, whether they're housing systems or you know, all these governmental entities, they're all parts of the large systems that, you know, are, that are, um, that are at work and make decisions based on regulations and laws that have been passed by, you know, <clears throat> legislators. And legislators oftentimes are not necessarily even the people that are, that are the most knowledgeable about a particular issue or problem. They have to sort of listen to their constituents and, and or listen to other people who have expertise who have their ear and can try to sort of, you know, give input into sort of solving a problem. And the problem is it is very, very complex. And, you know, um, and so finding a solution requires like, you know, a tremendous amount of diligence and focus and, you know, but I do think one of the things that is not really talked about a whole lot, like in the state of Minnesota, and I think this is probably true just about anywhere in the United States, because I think, you know, we live within a, we live within a country that is still deeply, deeply, um, you know, troubled and, 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 and battled by like, you know, um, racial inequity, um, racism, structural racism, which is, you know, like the air. It's like a fish living in a fishbowl, like, you know, with, with, you know, it takes work to, to look at it and see it and point it out, right? Mm -hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> you need people to actually acknowledge that that's true as well. And we live in a time right now in American history or the, in the United States history where we are deeply divided across so many, um, in so many different ways. So what that means is like communities like black and indigenous communities who have historically been, you know, underinvested or disinvested in for decades, you know, we're not just talking a handful of years here, we're talking, you know, hundreds of years, you know, 50, 60, 70, um, or, you know, um, uh, years or so, you know, so decades of like intentional disinvestment and in infrastructure and support for those communities. Like we're at the bottom rung in practically anything you can measure socially, economically, health, you know, in terms of health, education. These things contribute to poor um, outcomes in all kinds of areas. And it contributes to sort of like, you know, problems of this nature being intractable and, and, and not, not solvable. Mm -hmm. Because people are talking about the things that are that are easy to just point out oh there's not enough money or oh housing prices are really high and oh this you know and not being able to say like these things are all related to the fact that you know we um we haven't invested in these communities and these uh, and these um uh individuals or these these um people of color in a really long time we've 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 been actually eroded over the last 50 60 years since the 60s you know a lot of the policies and a lot of the things that were put into place to protect and to support and move um <clears throat> move us forward as an equitable society you know right people get people get confused they think equity and equality are the same thing and those aren't the same thing absolutely and i i think of when you say that i think of uh, neighborhoods that were uh freeways were put through and uh things like that yeah. where there was strong yeah. community and uh mm -hmm. intentional uh disbanding of the communities uh, out there all over well the the whole all over turtle island but here specifically in the twin cities too yeah and i think part of it is is like when I mean, i've had conversations with people about this i'll say things like you know black and indigenous people and other people of color they live differently than the white people do mm -hmm. uh, they are, you know, their their primary sort of organizing principle and way of thinking of who they are as individuals and as members of families and communities and nations mm -hmm. is a focus on group and group group living and the importance of the entire the entire community. That's a little bit different than sort of like the sort of the Western, you know, white American sort of model of like, you know. How to get ahead in society, right? Right. Focused on 
other kinds of things that are considered important. And the problem is, is that the whole, you know, so many of our laws and so many of our structures that are in place, you know, lean towards prioritizing and, and encouraging everybody to live, you know, in that sort of Western colonized model of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, don't help your neighbor take care of yourself. Right. You'd be better off if you only took care of yourself and paid attention to you or the needs of your immediate family. And we just don't live that way and we don't think that way and we don't learn we think we have a different way of measuring health, wealth and well being than 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 do just the Western world. And so mm-hmm. you know, we live within a system that doesn't value that. So yeah, we, we're disinvested in. Right. What what a really good point um, too. Uh, also, the push of suburbs and suburb learn living and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know outpricing, right. overpricing, yeah. and getting away from the. I read this really interesting article. I think it was a New York Times article. It might have been an Atlantic Journal article, but last week, and they were talking about how you know. Um, you know, in the in the sixties and seventies, white flight into the suburbs. You know, right. people leaving the inner city and um, you know, going out to the suburbs to create suburb living. And you know, and then over the last twenty years or so, like the investment we've made in encouraging Black and Indigenous and other people of color to move out of the inner city and move to suburbs, like have a better life out there. You, know, you get a house, you get a yard, you get a bunch of other things. And in some ways, actually encouraging us to live more like white people, right? Uh-huh. And then that happens, and this article talked about how, like, over the last 10 or 15 years, we've been seeing white people flee from those suburbs to, you know... Um, Brooklyn. Well, to, to Brooklyn. I don't know to Brooklyn, but, like, you know, like, places like, you know, like, using a Minnesota analogy, like, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to live in Bloomington and Edina anymore. That's... You know, it's getting a little too brown near me and, and there's right. other issues that come with that. I'm going to move out to, I don't know, like, you know, New Prague. Yeah. Right. No, I get it. And yeah. so, so these are, these are phenomenons that we see happening, you know, where people, rather than staying in place and trying to be civically engaged and solve problems and work collectively and collaboratively on solving problems, they escape, Right. Yep. Um, and the, and in order to escape those kinds of conditions, you have to come from wealth or you have to have resources to do that. And we know that, you know, it is, you know, I was, I, I was just telling my sons this the other day. It is really hard. It is really, really easy to become unrich very rapidly because rich is just like if you're getting paid a lot of money or for a short period of time, you can feel very rich. But wealth is generational. It is like wealthy people. You know, their money makes money while they're sleeping. You think yeah. they couldn't become unwealthy if they tried. Exactly. Because the system is embedded, is structured to, to, to incentivize and support more wealth and wealth building. And so there's some real challenges and problems we have with this whole entire process. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, we, we, we see uh, examples of that. Uh, whether it's the music industry or sporting industry or owners of sport teams, we see those examples yeah. all, all the time. Yeah, and you know, you asked me a question before we went on break. You asked me, like, what can tribes do? And I think I see a lot of tribes being, you know, like, you know, Red Lake Nation is doing some really interesting stuff on their own homeland. They're building these enterprises and they're capitalizing on you know, the opportunities to do things like open a, open a dispensary. They didn't ask, they didn't wait to ask for permission from the state or the feds to open a dispensary once marijuana became legal. They figured it out and they, and they're an independent nation, a sovereign nation, they can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And these, so we have to, as, as tribal people, we've always been really, really intelligent and smart. We're the original researchers on the planet. We map the stars 10,000 years before Galileo did. There isn't a problem we can solve when we put our when we put our minds together collectively to solve something and we rely on the knowledge and the experience of our ancestors and we rely also on the creativity and the ingenuity of our of our young ones. They're the most creative, right? They can imagine. They haven't been hardened by by life's experiences yet. They can imagine things that we can't imagine. 
Yeah. So we have to bring all of that sort of, kind of together um, along with our sort of like, um, you know, um, and and I see tribes bringing, you know, creating systems and bringing their people home and, and, and creating a sustainable life for them on their own tribal lands. And that's amazing. Um, you know, we need to do a little bit more of that perhaps. Wow. Really good. Hey, we're doctor with Dr. Stately here and, uh, we're talking pretty heavy here. I'd like to probably uh, wrap it up the next segment and maybe talk a little bit about the Electric Indian uh, and what your thoughts were on the movie. And I know mm-hmm. Haley was able to, to go there. And uh, I had FOMO. I was in Madison, so I had big FOMO. And uh, maybe I can get a screener from them. I don't know. It's going hey. to be in the film festival, too, I think, yep. in about a month. Yep, that's right. I can't wait, though. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio, and we're with Dr. Stately here, President uh, Executive Officer of Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. We'll be right back. Are you thinking about college? Consider checking out Minnesota Private Colleges. These 18 nonprofit institutions keep the focus on students with small classes and professors who will get to know you. You'll find students from all backgrounds, and no two colleges are alike. And when it comes to cost, they're more affordable than you think. Find the college that's right for you at mnprivatecolleges.org slash possible. mnprivatecolleges.org slash possible. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org backslash s-u-t-r. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? How? Hey, ooh, ooh, ah. well, welcome back uh, to Native Roots Radio, and we're here with Dr. Stately, and uh, we're talking uh, uh, some heavy-duty stuff here. I'd, I'd like to switch uh, topics here in the last segment and uh, get your uh, response on uh, the Electric Indian, the Henry Boucher story uh, that you and Haley were able to, to watch. I heard it was pretty emotional, and we all wish Henry was still here to see it. Yeah, it was um, it was really remarkable. I was so I'm happy to be there. It was um, you know, I got to see the rough cut before, you know, because I sent mm-hmm. out the link, and I think I told you that, it's like, you know, like before it was like color corrected, you know, you know it felt like I was watching a movie from like back in the fifties or sixties. <laughs> um, you know, expecting Billy Jack to jump out of that. Oh. Um. <laughs> um but uh, it was really beautiful. It did an amazing job of kind of describing his life experience and his family and his values. He was just a remarkable human being. And, you know, it's like the thing, <clears throat> the, um, 
the incident that happened to him where he ended up losing his eye, you know, damaging his eye and not allowing him, him never being able to play again. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's really clear that that sort of that, that, um, that, um, first of all, that, that, that game was here in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. And, um, I think it was it happened over. I think wasn't it in the dining rink? I think maybe. Yeah, maybe the Met maybe. Center, right uh, where the Hall uh, of America is now. Yeah, or some um, Bloomington or Richfield. But anyway, it was like um, really remarkable to me because it stood out. Like I like you know I've heard the story and things like that, but I like watching all of the lead up to that incident and happening, and it's like you know, he's having this amazing career, and he's just yeah. like. You know he's on fire. He's like, he, he, you know, like he could have, you know, he had just in a short, very short period of time in his life, he had an amazing, amazing, um, you know, career of just like nothing that I, that I really, you know, I mean, I guess I, <clears throat> I would arguably say that I'm not the most knowledgeable about like, you know sports i happen to be knowledgeable about hockey because i've had kids playing it for six you know 14 years now 15, 12 years i think um just feels like forever but he did a, he did achieve quite a quite a remarkable amount of a level of achievement in a very short period of time in his life and i think that you know it was interesting that you know that that incident was was clearly retaliation from the other player who had you know was was angry with him right probably embarrassed right because mm-hmm. he kind of got his ass handed to him on the ice sorry am I allowed to say that you can't say that on NPR either throwing that out there oh um <laughs> um uh and you know probably racially motivated, right? Yeah. Late, early seventies, I think, right? So it's kinda yeah. like, you know, you know and it was like it was like I remember that moment in the film where it was like and you know, he um you know, the county attorney you know charged the other player with, you know, um assault. Yeah. A, a criminal a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. And the jury not surprisingly, the jury, probably all white jury too at that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, found acquitted him. Found you know, threw the case out. Yeah, I'm like, this is like, <laughs> like you know, it's just you know. So we, you know, I don't know. I I, I hold that incident sort of like in the same sort of like other hand here. We have like you know these, you know. We have, you know, in, in a lot of ways, we have, you know, we talked earlier in an earlier segment about like, you know, structural racism and and, and the amount of sort of like um, uh, sort of turning the other cheek of justice systems and things like that, right? He was robbed of an amazing career because somebody was envious of his skills and his talent. And you know, went after went after him on the ice, and you know, I think right before the Henry kind of knocked him to the ground, right? So, right. I don't know if he saw double vision the rest of his life. Did, was that in the in the movie? If he was still seeing double vision, because he ended up suing the NHL. And what's amazing to me, Doctor Stately, is that uh, he was done with hockey by the age of twenty eight, and we still talk yeah. about him fifty years later. Yeah. How much legend and how much he gave back to his community too. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he was still suffering from double vision. Like when I I got to spend like the day with him when my kids were with him shooting the B-roll footage for the film. And, you know, my experience of just visiting with him, he made me laugh. He was, you know, he had an amazing sense of humor. He reminded me a lot of like talking to my, my uncles, you know, growing up. You know, he just had like, you know, that indigenous humor that's really sort of like, you know, not openly caustic, but sort of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, um, 
he was so generous with his time. You know, he didn't just, you know, I had to ask him things about his life to have him talk to me about the things that he wanted. He asked me about my kids first and how long have they been playing and saw them skating. He was like, those your sons are very good skaters, remarkable. Um, and, um, you know, he, he was just a really wonderful, beautiful human being. And I, that, that, um, that, that sense of him came out, you know, um, right away when I was talking to him. Leah Hale, the director and um, um, producer of the film, when she was giving remarks at the end, at the end of the thing, she talked about how, you know, her experience of working with um, Henry on the movie was that he always, he always had a way of making, you know, the other people in the room feel more um, important than him, right? Like you were the center of attention when he was in the room and he was interacting with you. He didn't do a whole lot of like talking himself up. He yeah. talked to you and he wanted to know who you are. He made you feel like you were the most important person in the room. And that's certainly how I felt for those two and a half or three hours I spent with him, you know? Yeah. I uh, had he to, kept asking me to bandage his finger. He had he was on blood thinners because he had the heart condition, and he cut yeah. his finger and he he kept bleeding. There wow. was like even shots of um. If you look closely in some of the B-roll film, you can see the blood on blood on the ice. But I, he was like, "Your doctor, help me." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm really not that kind of doctor. All I can do is just keep putting band aids on it until you yeah. hold your hand up." Well, Henry has a book, too, out there. Go Henry Boucher, Ojibwe, uh, Native American Olympian. We sold that autographed copies uh, at uh, Native Roots Trading Post and sold out every every year that we... You have, uh, you have one left, you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's saving it. <laughs> every want- year I look under my Christmas tree waiting to see yeah. if it's there, but it's never there. Well, I don't <laughs> celebrate Christmas because I'm all indigenous and stuff. And JK, hey, uh, but he was still really, really involved with the. Uh, I got to meet him with with uh, Clyde when they were working on uh, the mascot stuff, and he was really involved with that. And he was a big name to be there, and uh, been on the show many times. And uh, I will miss him because uh, we talk pretty frequently. And there's uh, he was. Well, there's Haley, and I thought that was going to be Henry Boucher, but it was Dr. Stately. <laughs> hey. we're, like, we're practically twins, him and I. What are you trying to do? Yeah, same height. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It's the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, uh, vote, get vaccinated. Peeny Gigi, Dr. Stately, for being on. And we're still here. We are the seventh generation. And free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs>